actually had to learn like what a feeling felt like in my body, how to allow it, what it was telling me, you know, and that opened me up to my own, my inner guidance system rather than focusing on what other people were telling me and doing things that I didn't really agree with, but making everybody outside of me the expert. Like I started becoming my own expert. Hello, and welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast. My name is Tina Conroy. I am so grateful you are here. As a professional intuitive medium, Reiki master, and yoga teacher, my intention is to explore intuition so you can gain clarity, confidence, and trust in your inner wisdom. I honor your spiritual growth. Thank you for listening. Today on the podcast, I speak to Heather Ross. Heather Ross is the mother of a child who struggled with addiction, a certified parent support coach, invitation to change certified, craft trained, and the host of the popular podcast called Living With Your Child's Addiction. Heather tried all the approaches the professionals recommended, even though they didn't feel right to her. She tried tough love, waiting for her daughter to hit rock bottom, and other traditional approaches that are confrontational and based on stigma rather than science. Those approaches caused chaos in her home, intense stress for the whole family, and destroyed her relationship with her daughter. Feeling desperate and defeated, Heather stopped everything that wasn't working and tried something completely different. The new approaches that she learned from coaching and craft empowered her to support her daughter based on her values as a mother. She brought unconditional love, stability, and emotional health to her relationship with her daughter. Heather educated herself about substance use disorder, started focusing on self-care, learned how to set boundaries and allow natural consequences, and started using positive communication skills. The changes she made not only repaired, but strengthened her relationship with her daughter. It also created space for her daughter to seek treatment and start her own recovery journey. The recovery path is not a straight line, though. It can be filled with many challenges, twists, and turns. Tragically, Heather's daughter had a recurrence of use and was given a deadly dose of fentanyl. After the devastating loss of her daughter, Heather called on her tools and resilience to lean into helping more parents and using science-backed education to change the stigma around substance abuse. She is grateful and she has worked hard on herself, learned how to support her daughter and create a beautiful, loving relationship with her. Heather has a one-on-one coaching program for parents that is family-centered, based on science, and works during recovery or active substance abuse. She believes that parents have more power than they realize, and the best gift they can give their child is a healthy parent. This was such a powerful conversation I had with Heather. I know that you will get so much out of this. She is a pioneer and working from compassion and integrity to really help parents on this journey. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the podcast, Heather. I am so delighted to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I have been listening to you for a, feels like a very long time because as you start podcasting and then you start finding ones that you really enjoy, you've been in my ears a lot. And I want to thank you for all the work you do. And I was so happy that you were able to be here today 
and that my listeners get a taste of your work and I'm able to share them with you. So I want everyone to know that Heather has a podcast as well. I will leave all her information below. And that podcast is Living With Your Child's Addiction Podcast. So Heather, like I always like to begin, take us back when you were a little girl and how you were how you were brought up were you brought up spiritual religious both neither yeah so um i was brought up not really um spiritual or religious my grandparents were catholic and so most of my religious um you know anything to do with that came from my grandparents and i always found the catholic religion very confusing um, especially if you've ever been to Catholic church, there's just so many different parts to it. And, um, so I didn't really connect with that when I was young, but I did it to connect with my grandparents. And I did it because I wanted them to be proud of me. And it was like what a good girl does. So that was really my early experience with, um, religion. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I had any kind of spiritual practices when I was younger. Um, as I got older, I actually got really started developing my own relationship with God through Al-Anon. And um, that was really where I learned the to create my own relationship like that. Prayer was talking to God and meditation was listening to like learning how to be still and get the answers wherever they come from, whatever you believe in, wherever the answers are coming from, it requires that stillness to get those answers. And so that's when I started developing that kind of relationship. And then it started growing from there. And a few years ago, it started getting more spiritual, I would say, from the perspective of just connecting with nature and my own intuition and getting back into feeling my into my body again and not living in the analytical part of my brain. And really my spiritual practices have been what has really got me through the hardest times of my life. So I'm really grateful that I took the time to decide what works for me. And to, um, I feel like all along, I, you know, have been following these breadcrumbs, the synchronicities that have led me to where I am today, to where I feel that connection that really just has gotten me through some of the hardest things that I've gone through in the past couple of years. Yeah. You know, I find a lot of times, I would say maybe most times that people find that spirituality, that connection, God, whatever word you use, when we go through the difficult times. And, you know, the the Al-Anon and the AA model is, you know, the God of your understanding, right? So they always kind of tweak that in. So it doesn't have to be one size fits all. And so I know a little bit of your story and I know that the, some of the listeners, you know, do not. But so as you kind of found Al-Anon, obviously this was a reaching out for you to help yourself, but obviously someone else. And then growing as you continued in, in the hard times, you know, they say that, you know, when we're really down and out, that's when 
we, well, we can do many different things, but if we cling to the God of our understanding or light universe and, and, and have those spiritual experiences, that's where things can try to turn. I'm sure you've heard of the term, you know, dark night of the soul, right? So we're going, many people can have many of them throughout their lifetime. And I know for myself as well, when I've been in very challenging times, it's been the surrender, right? The surrender of that. So take us back to that. Take us back to that, that moment in Al-Anon. How did you get there? Why did you get there? And, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I was, I was very involved in Al-Anon with my daughter's father, who was a member of AA and the group that we were in, um, the AA and Al-Anon groups were really close. And so initially I was there for him and to support him. But that's when I really learned to start looking at myself and to get to know myself a little and um, and also to just really, it opened me up, right? And it like set the stage for later development. And I felt like, um, and nothing against Al-Anon or 12-step programs, but I only grew so far there. But it gave me this beautiful foundation that I kind of sat with for a couple of years after my daughter's father and I got divorced. And when my daughter started struggling with substance use, I felt like it just wasn't a good fit for me anymore, but I wasn't sure what was. So I struggled for a few years until I did find something that worked for me. But once I did, I felt like that foundation that I got from Al-Anon was perfect for building on and for, it just opened me up to really a lot of growth, a lot of, I, you know, I matured a lot, a lot of personal responsibility that I had never really experienced before. But then when my daughter started struggling, um, I I went back to Al-Anon and it just wasn't a good fit for me at that time. Or maybe I just couldn't find the right group because uh, they're all so different. And so I started really looking for help. And I found this counselor who also, I say she's more like a life coach and she is now, but at the time she really helped me develop my spiritual practices. But when I asked her, right, like she didn't offer it until I started following my own journey. And then she would just give me these little nuggets to follow to help me expand into that. But that was where I found the most peace. And it was also kind of the beginning of the cracking open that dark night of the soul that you just mentioned, like my daughter's substance use really was the thing that woke me up. I'd say I was living in you know, everything analytical, not feeling, not in my body and really just kind of asleep at the wheel of my life and her substance use and what she was going through. And the pain of that for me is what pushed me to do the work to really wake up. When you talk about, you know, being out of your body, you know, physically, like being in that trauma and being in the, in the drama. Right. Um, and I know, going through that and finding a little bit more and more of those nuggets, finding more and more of those, those spiritual uh, connections and people along the way. And we, we say the teachers show up when we need them and her kind of dropping more and more. 
when was the time, you know, I, I, and I can only imagine like what you were going through um, with your daughter's substance use. And then, you know, where were you able to kind of learn more and more that, you know, it's kind of like that let go, let God, right? Because we hear that a lot, right? And it's like, easier said than done. So was it just a process and just doing the work? Like, you know, we talk about practice of meditation, practice of yoga. Where did you, you know, how long did this was the span of your daughter's substance abuse in years? Um, so it started, she says, when she was like 12, she started experimenting and then it started, it escalated until I found out when she was around 15, she was a freshman in high school and it went until she was, I think 19 or 20, the first time that she went to treatment. Okay. And so every little bit along the way you were kind of finding source to take care of yourself. And, and I mean, in the beginning, you probably didn't even know how to take care of yourself, right? It was just like, like who takes care of themselves? All we want to do is change them, right? We only, we only, we only want to change them. Yeah. Beginning, Um, I was completely obsessed with controlling her, changing her, getting her to change so that I could feel better. Completely abandoned myself in the process to the point where I got So I was just sick all the time. My hair was falling out. I gained a bunch of weight. I wasn't even taking care of the kind of the bare necessities of sleep, drinking water, moving my body. Like I wasn't doing any of those things. All I could think about was figuring out how to save her. Yeah. And I, and I, as a mother, I can completely understand that. It's like, it's like, I'm not going to drink water. I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to do everything I can to get them to do this not do this thing that is so harmful to them. Um, and I know now the work that you do, you help so many parents through through the podcast, through coaching, through group coaching. So we're someone who's listening right now, and I always say it's the one person, you know, it's not the hundreds of people or the thousands of people that listen to this podcast. It's the one person that's listening that's struggling with their child's addiction. And they haven't found you. They haven't found your podcast yet. And they're in that, they're in that non-sleep doing, um, you know, let's take us, take us there a little bit, you know, share with, I, I know it's so important for you to, can they share, can you share with them the wisdom, a little bit of what you've learned and help them through the intuition and changing that from the fear-based model into helping them themselves and so forth. Yeah. So that's a good point you just made about fear. So everything that I was doing was from a place of fear and because I was doing things from a place of fear. I was doing things like tough love that just did not feel right to me, but I was doing it because I wanted to help her. And I was believing kind of these stigmatized um, instructions that I was getting. So things really didn't change until I did something that seemed completely wrong. It went against everything that my brain and body were screaming at me to do, which was, I just stopped doing everything. I stopped running my daughter to four or five doctor appointments every week between therapists and psychologists and nutritionists and all of these things that she didn't want to do that I was forcing her to do. I stopped trying to control her. She was about to turn 18 at this point. I stopped like calling the police every time that she ran away. I 
like started opening up, started looking for our similarities instead of our differences, which opened me up to some empathy for her, some understanding of what she was experiencing rather than judging her. And I, she noticed that difference in me, like she could tell that I was releasing control of her and then that she didn't have to resist me so much anymore. So the more I was trying to control her, the more she resisted me and ran from me, even though I was trying to create health and connection between us, but it was, I was always getting the opposite result. So like me pulling back and focusing on myself for a while, which again, seemed impossible, but I had had this wake up call where I thought, I really thought I was going to die. My dad died of a heart attack when he was 47 and I was around that age. And I thought, I'm just, I'm going to die like my dad did. And I want to be here for my daughter. So I need to take care of myself. And I started really focusing on my mental and physical health turning to all kinds of things that I've never tried before, like working with a life coach, meditating, doing energy healing, all these different things to really open up. And that's when I opened up to my intuition and tapped into feelings because I did not like feelings before. They were a nuisance to me. I preferred to numb them out. And so I had to really learn. I actually had to learn like what a feeling felt like in my body, how to allow it, what it was telling me, you know, and that opened me up to my own, my inner guidance system rather than focusing on what other people were telling me and doing things that I didn't really agree with, but making everybody outside of me the expert. Like I started becoming my own expert. And that's when things really started to change. Now, it was a process, it, it, you know, it was over a year or two, but that's when I started, healing started happening between my daughter and I. At that time, she was, you know, things were really bad. She was homeless at times. She was using heroin and meth, like her addiction had really escalated, but even in her active substance use healing was happening in our relationship and we were building connection. So I think I always like to share that because I think there's this fear that we can't heal or connect until they get into recovery. And that's just not true. We can, as long as we accept the relationship that they're available for, right? So I had to accept what Helena could actually give me in a relationship instead of trying to make her give me more than she was capable of. There's a lot of acceptance involved in this process. Um, And that's when things really started to change for both of us. You know, it's so interesting as I'm listening to you, that right there, just, just when you started to shift, just when you shifted to having that wake up call, you keep saying a wake up call, that's intuition right there. That's listening to this basic thing we all have. And, you know, the reason I started this podcast so many years ago is how many people don't think they have intuition, which it's, we all have it. It's tapping into it and tapping into it and tapping into it. So right there, that's your intuitive aha. That was listening and, and doing something really against the grain, right? Because it was, instead of trying to control 
And then also listening to that other model of people saying, you know, oh, you're enabling or let them go and don't do this. And don't, you know, there's so much out there that's so conflicting, but you kept, you know, and again, I know it was a process. I know it wasn't overnight, but with that, listening to your intuition, that inner knowing you were able then to build on the relationship with her. And, and so you said this so well, not building on it, even if she wasn't even if she was in active, uh, active addiction, not waiting to build on it when she was in recovery, right? So I know she must have moved from, you know, it's active to recovery many times, but not waiting for that, like building on that. And, and how beautiful that is to look back and say, you were still building on it, even when it wasn't the ideal thing that you wanted, right? Ideally, you wanted her to be sober and recovered, right? But not waiting for that. Um, that's, it's really pretty remarkable. Yeah. And it's empowering. I think like a lot of times we feel like the addiction is in control of everything in our life. So whatever we can do ourselves to give ourselves that sense of control and focusing on the things that we can control rather than the things that we can't, it, it completely changes the experience. And I had come to the place where, you know, my daughter, God lover was just so stubborn. And I'm actually grateful for that because that's what forced me to change. So and open up and go through all of this growth that I've experienced. I wouldn't have otherwise if it wasn't for my love for her. But I reached this point of I just I wanted to have a relationship with her. I didn't care if she used drugs for the rest of her life. I just, I wanted to love her exactly as she was. Instead of trying to change her, I started thinking about how awful it would feel if, you know, people that I love, their love for me was conditional and I had to change for them to love me or the pressure of people constantly wanting me to change. And I just decided to accept her, accept that she might not ever get into recovery and that I was just going to cherish really every moment that I got with her. Now, sometimes it was really hard. It was really hard when I pick her up and, you know, she's passing out the whole time or whatever. And she, or just, you know, I think we're going to go do something. And she's like, mom, I can't today. I've got to go right home. Right. There's disappointment, but those things are all my feelings to manage, even though they're about her and what's happening in her life. It was more important to me to learn how to manage my feelings about that but still connect with her and have that relationship on the terms that were available. I'm just listening to this and like, I just, it's like, wow. I mean, it's really, I know it's just, wow, because there's, it's, that's really the healing that you do now and that you help other people because it's, it can be so challenging and just not even, you know, I didn't really think it in those terms, you know, to want the relationship regardless and unconditionally. And when you said it about yourself, I would, you would want someone else to love someone to love you without all these conditions. So why shouldn't you love her without those conditions? Right. And, uh, well, that was, that was pretty powerful. I want to, of course, you know, through all this, you are now continually helping many, many parents. You have the podcast. Um, when did you start podcasting Heather? around, you know, um, it's a couple of years ago, I think in 2020. 
Yeah. I um, was on a podcast and the, the guy pointed out to me, he's like, you're already doing it. You're just making YouTube videos. So just start your own podcast. And I was like, okay, I will. <laughs> and it is, it's such a great source of information. It really, it really is. And I've heard that from many people and, and we'll leave all the links. And so today, where we are today, um, leading up to, you know, helping others. And I know that was a process as well, right? So first you're in it and um, going through it yourself with your daughter. And I believe you got help as well, right? You got a, a coach or a life coach or some kind of help first. And then you kind of now have moved into different roles. Can you just share a little bit about that that part of the journey? Yeah, I ended up working with a life coach. And by that point, I was feeling like I didn't know if anything could help Helena. I was really doing it for myself. And then realizing that work I was doing on myself was impacting my relationship with her and helping me open up to this unconditional love and loving her exactly as she was. And then I found the book Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Helps People Change, which is the it's focused on community reinforcement and family training, otherwise known as craft, which is a very it's a science backed, compassionate approach to supporting somebody that goes against like all the times you hear, well, there's just nothing you can do. You have to wait for them to hear rock, hit rock bottom. But this book was like, there are things you can do and this is exactly what they are. And so I started doing those things and, you know, suddenly Helena starts being open to change and it was a process, but suddenly I felt like I actually really could help her. And so I decided, like, I want to take these things I'm learning and help other families. And so that's when I started um, my own coaching practice, because I felt like there just aren't enough resources that are really take into account, like, this is the reality of the situation. Really bad things might happen, but here's the tools to manage all that. And if you want to stay in relationship with this person that's really struggling, even though it's going to be hard, I can give you tools to do that as well. And that connection really does create opportunities for change and healthy, positive change. So I started sharing that with families. And um, over time, I think it's important to share. My daughter, um, she got into recovery herself and she was doing really well. She went into, she went to treatment twice. It wasn't like it was, um, a straight line or easy for her. It was a lot of work and she was in recovery for about 18 months when some things happened in the sober living home she was living in. And she had a reoccurrence of use that, um, led to a fatal fentanyl overdose. And that was about two years ago. Um, so I went from, you know, being at this place where I've got my daughter back. Life is incredible. I'm so grateful for that. And then to she's just gone. And the thing that really I'm grateful for in all of this is that I never knew I was only going to have 21 years with my daughter. I'm so grateful that we got to heal our relationship before we passed away because there are no guarantees, no matter what we do. And I'm grateful that I'm, you know, proud of how I showed up for her in her short life. And, you know, some people might think that this is the worst case scenario, but it's really not. I think the true worst case scenario is if she had passed away before we had healed our relationship. 
And so um, I'm grateful that I that I had the opportunity to really just love her as she was and that I get to share that with other families still that um, because every day, um, you know, I'm helping parents that are worried that their kids are going to die. But there's also this sense of comfort in really feeling good about how you show up and connect with them and love them while you have them. Thank you so much. It's so hard to share that and just holding space for you and with her legacy moving into helping others. And I'm sure every day you feel her with you. Uh, you know, it, it never makes it easier for myself, even as a, a psychic medium, you know, when I can uh, do readings and, and, and do that and connect that it, they're still not here in the living, you know, but but I know you must feel her spirit and she's with you as she as you carry on to to do the work that you do and and how important that is that that you can say that you had that even in the short time you have a relationship you had a relationship with her that you were working on and building and 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 there is no guarantee for anything right and we know that and so thank you for sharing that to to the listeners so I just want to respect that um for the moment yes of course so right now someone is listening and uh they what's the first step what how do you know they they obviously uh, your information will be below and reach out to you so they feel lost they're in the they're in the they're in a drama they're not taking care of themselves um what do they do well, start find you <laughs> right so listen to the podcast of course like that's a great place to start but really start small with you know taking care of yourself like making sure you're just meeting your most basic needs it's like building a muscle like you don't go into the gym and pick up the 50 pound dumbbells right like some people maybe start with fives or tens somebody else might need a one pound like meet yourself where you're at and start meeting your most basic needs because without sleep and without nourishment and moving your body, of course, you're confused and struggling and overwhelmed and just stuck in fight or flight. Like there's no way that you can make good decisions or show up for yourself in that. So just really also giving yourself a ton of compassion for how hard this is and just take one small step to build on, build a little bit of confidence in yourself. And then, you know, just taking the next right step one after the other, but it really all does start with self-care. I know that sounds so cliche, but without it, there's just no way that we can show up for anybody else that, 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 uh, you know, like when you're in an airplane and they say to put your own oxygen mask on first, it's the same thing where, and it just, the smallest thing can make the biggest difference. A lot of times I find when I'm working with families they come to me thinking like they're going to have to make all these huge changes. And some families have to make bigger changes than others. But usually I feel like what I find is they're just a few small tweaks, you know, little things that they need to change. They just can't see it because they're in the middle of it. And so giving yourself that time and space and perspective can really start to change your experience pretty quickly. I love that. I also really want to recognize that your your way 
that with craft and some of the work that you do invitation to change, it is such a different model that I was always, you know, um, happily surprised at, you know, usually people are like, you have to let them fail and, you know, kick them out of the house and tough love. And it just always felt, you know, when I, even when I listened to the podcast, it always felt so not, you know, it's so against everything you do as a parent. So, so, you know, it was always like welcomed to hear the podcast and the interviews that you had and the invitation to change model and the craft model, right? And it's, and what you're saying, right? And so it's, it's a breath of fresh air instead of, you know, kick them out, you know, throw them out on the street, you know, don't pick up their, you know, all these other things. I'm, and I'm not saying we don't have boundaries. I'm not saying that, but you hear so many of this other way to be. And it's so against your parent, most people's parenting skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like there's no science behind that, kicking people out and cutting them out of your life. I think that we just lack the skills that we need to have somebody in our life and also be able to protect ourselves and our own health and wellness while also supporting them. It's a set of skills that you really don't need outside of something like this that's really ongoing and needing a, you know, marathon approach to something instead of a sprint approach. Like it has to be sustainable, this approach. And, um, but the thing is, I heard um, Dr. Jeff Foote from CMC Foundation for Change say this, and he's one of the creators of the Invitation to Change, saying that the reason that we take that advice is because when we're in fear and somebody comes up to us and says, oh, just do this, and they sound really confident in what they're saying, even if it sounds wrong to us, it's like a relief just to have something to do. And that's one of the reasons why we do these things that go against our values, this tough love that doesn't feel right. Um, so again, having compassion for ourselves that we take bad advice during this really hard time. But um, yeah, like for me, the first time that I found that book Beyond Addiction and found Craft and then later Invitation to Change, like I felt hope for the first time. I felt so hopeless. I had, was literally just accepting and acceptance is important that things might not ever change and that there was nothing that I could do. And to find out that there were things that I could do and that like I'd been like basically lied to by the whole world. Everybody who told me those things thought they were telling me the truth, but it's just so important. I'm so I'm grateful that you're sharing this on your podcast to get that out, that there is another way and that more people need to be talking about it because even though it feels right inside, a lot of parents still struggle with it because there's all this conditioning and stigma. And so it always feels like you're doing something wrong. And so the more we talk about this way of doing things and the, the science that's behind it and all of the studies that back it up, the easier it's going to be for families to adopt this way of being that's really just takes into consideration humanity. Absolutely. I couldn't say it better. I couldn't say it better. Heather, I could, I could talk to you for a very long time, but I want to share with the listeners, I'm going to leave your information below. Is there, if there's anything, you know, where can people find you? First of all, also, if there's any upcoming programs, I know you do one-on-one -on -one and they can contact you for that. If there's any group program starting, 
please share that and uh, please let, let us know. So again, my podcast is called Living With Your Child's Addiction. It's available on all platforms. My website is heatherrosscoaching.com. I have an invitation to change. It's a free group that's ongoing right now. My coaching group just started and that'll open up again in the beginning of the year. And um, I do one-on-one coaching. It's all on my website. And I also have a guide on there about enabling and a different view of it. And that's something that um, is on my website as well. People can sign up for to um, just learn a different way of doing things. Thank you. Thank you. I will leave all the information below. So please, everybody go check it out. Thank you so much, Heather, for the work that you're doing and the inspiration uh, behind it and the passion behind it, um, getting the work into the world. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste.